What's going on, golf addicts? Welcome to the DFS DraftKings preview for the Rocket Mortgage Classic 2023 at Detroit Golf Club. DB here, finally joined again by my ever-vacationing co-host, Patrick Perry, who joins us from a beach in a Ritz-Carlton. Because why? Rich people, huh? You know what I mean? Yeah, I Pat, guess. good to have you I on. Well, you know, I'm happy to be here, DB, uh, and take away from my schedule, my busy schedule, vacationing in the yeah. summer to be here. But uh, yeah, you know, it helps when you, you know, when your your lovely wife has a conference at a nice hotel that's only a couple hours down the road. There's the beach right behind me, DB. It's right there. Oh, wow. You can't really see it. It's kind of bright. But uh, anyway. Yeah, that would be called uh, a lot of backlight there. Uh, it's in the middle of the day. We're having to do this at a different time. So no podcast juice other than I got some nice water right here. That's all I got. So no podcast juice. It might not get as off the rails as it normally does. But we do want to talk mm-hmm. about the DraftKings slate for um, uh, for the Rocket Mortgage Classic. A really ugly field. But, you know, a lot of good, interesting things could happen. A lot of, uh, lot of ways to pivot when you pivot, pivot when you pivot in your DFS lineups, which is definitely what some people did nicely um, in DraftKings lineups last week for the Travelers. I mean, you know, Keegan was definitely a pivot. He was surrounded by chalky 7K players, Russell Henley, Ricky Fowler. Uh, actually, no, Ricky wasn't 7K last week. Was that last week? Maybe. No, I'm thinking of the U.S. Open. Hundley was Henley was in there. there. There was some chalk 7K range. I don't have it pulled in front of me, but there was some. There was definitely some. Uh, it was like Denny. Oh, it was Denny McCarthy, uh, Henley, Corey Connors kind of caught some steam late. Yeah. And you know we were in the Nut Hut doing the Wednesday night live chat. And what's happened over the last couple of weeks is we've had some sharp listeners hop on the voice chat with us on Wednesday night and present. A pivot play, and at the U.S. Open, the pivot play they were presenting and made a case for on Wednesday night for for 15 minutes with me and Joe Idoni was Wyndham Clark, who went on to win the U.S. Open, and then last week it was Keegan Bradley, who went on to win the Travelers. So you know, you joined the Nut Hut not for us, hardly no. definitely not for me right now. Uh, you joined for sharp listeners, great conversation, great community, and uh, Joe Idoni's um, uh, head-to-heads and finish position bets, which is uh, up 27 units on the year, or our boy, Lady Lady Marcus's uh, women's outright card that won four <laughs> outrights. Lady Marcus. Yeah, yeah. Have we ever called him Lady Marcus before? I think I may have last week. I think I, I kind of dubbed him that. I don't know. Maybe it was something different. But I'm calling him Lady Marcus. because I mean, I'm still up for the year on my betting card. So Yeah, but you put yours. It's public, too. I mean, that's true. It's public. That's true. You know, you don't put anything keep- exclusively in the nut hut anymore, Pat. You know, and some people are saying that you're like, the best, and you never put you don't put anything <laughs> I, exclusively in the nut anymore. You've like I, you know I've given I, up. No, no, that's not true. Last week I though should I, well I, actually it's probably a good thing that I didn't put Keegan in the first round leader, which I did give out on a radio show because then you would have just gotten your heart ripped out by Denny McCarthy, who yeah. I feel like we got to talk about because I can't believe we didn't talk. We went through the whole betting show. And we did not talk about Denny McCarthy. Are you doing that on purpose? Because, you know, I don't know, DB, on Friday you were feeling pretty good about it. And then talk about getting your heart ripped out. Denny McCarthy just said, no, I don't really care about winning golf tournaments because he'd already done it to me. I've already had it happen. He lost in the – I had him, and it was like 125 to 1. Yeah. I had him at the Memorial. He lost to Victor Hovland. 
this yeah, year. That, that was kind of my rolling first, into the weekend. Yeah, that was kind of my first, um, my first round with Denny doing that to me. Heart heartbreaking, Denny. Yeah, I mean, but at least it wasn't really even close on Sunday. I mean, by the time mm-hmm. you shoot, when you shoot even par on Saturday at that golf course, whatever he did, you know, three under on the weekend at at the Travelers in benign conditions, I just didn't even, I didn't even care. Um, I loved Denny. I had him in DFS, but yeah, it just at this point, I'm numb to the heartbreak. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's happening. Yeah, I don't know why you think I felt so confident after Friday. I felt. I mean, I was happy, but I did not feel. No, you, I did you not feel me a great. Couple happy text. Yeah, but yeah, I was happy. Denny with eighteen ends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had you did. Listen, it. sometimes it just feels good to get in the game. You know that it doesn't. It. No, I know. I, I've been in the game yeah. the last few weeks. I have Ricky at the U.S. Like I've been in the game. I just still striking out, but but I'm in the game. You know, and whatever. Um, let's talk about last week. In terms of DFS stuff, because I did this last week and some people liked it. Maybe some people don't like it. Put, it. put it in the comments. Do you like it when we recap the previous week for just a few minutes in terms of like DFS and what, it, what happened, what, what we could learn? If you don't like it, put that in the comments too. Uh, obviously, Keegan was important. And that's what we talked about in the Nut Hut chat Wednesday night. was like, hey, Keegan's kind of getting squeezed here, 7 or 8% ownership. And, you know, we talk a lot about, we talk a lot about guys who are really, this happens a lot with this, guys who are really good at ball striking and the putter is terrible. But we know that putting is the most highly vary, you know, variance statistic. So we know that even those guys can have an average or above average week on the, on the greens and then boom, they hit, which is what Keegan has been historically throughout his career. But lately, in the last three or four events, he's actually not been hitting it very well with the irons. But the putter has been incredible. He's had a revelation with the putter. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the case that was being brought up on Wednesday night was like, well, what if, you know, a lot of times what these guys can do is they can focus so much on one aspect of the game that other things, even that they're very good at, tend to kind of lose a little bit of the sharpness, right? And they kind of get out of focus and get out of whack and they got to kind of go back and readjust. What if that's happened with him with the irons a little bit? But what if he begins to hit his irons like we know Keegan hits his irons and also continues to gain strokes putting with the confidence that he had going in. And it made for an enticing pivot at 8%. And obviously he won. I mean, he gained seven strokes with his irons and seven strokes putting. Seven strokes, Pat. Can, pretty good. Actually, I want to see where that ranks in his best all time. I mean, the dude's got 311 logged PGA Tour events. That is, that is good for one, two... Three, four. It's tied for fifth for his best putting performance ever in 311 starts. But he's been putting well. So Keegan was an interesting pivot. Do you know that he's done that this year already? Uh uh-uh, uh, where was it? At the Farmers, where he finished. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, exactly so, seven strokes gained there. So sometimes I think it's like something to remember. When you see a guy who's doing other things well, but they're what they normally have done over a large sample size, I don't think we can really do this with like rookies or two or three-year players, but I mean, Keegan is notorious for being a great ball striker. Mm-hmm. When that is suffering just for a few weeks, it could come back, and if the thing that they've always sucked at is doing well, and then they put it all together, like boom, you have a win, a, a pretty dominant Pretty dominant win. Like, I know he leaked oil a little bit coming in, you know, Sunday, but I mean, 
winning any tour event by three shots, especially an elevated event, is really hard to do. It's hard to do. And winning a golf tournament is hard to do. And I could see, like, when you have a six-stroke lead basically going into the back nine, yeah. kind of losing some focus Protective a little and, bit. Yeah. Um, anyway, great pivot there. I mean, you Keegan had to be in your lineup to win in tournaments, obviously. And, and it also allowed for, and this is a theme, too, in DFS lately, it allowed you to have some chalk. Like, having the winner at 8% at 70-whatever-100 he was definitely allows you to eat some chalk in some places. The perfect lineup now this isn't very chalky in terms of the perfect lineup but the perfect lineup could have been keegan bradley patrick cantlay rory brian Harmon, shez Reeve, and zach mother effing blair who finished runner-up can you believe no. zach blair no no, no. <laughs> what I, I mean i cannot and this ki- this kid well, he's, he's. We call him a kid. He's in his thirties. He just looks like. Yeah, a kid. I mean, but he just looks like a kid. He's gonna look like a. He's gonna be sixty years old, and we're gonna be calling yeah. him a kid. And I, I mean, I thought he was done. I thought he was building golf courses. That was it. That was it for Zach Blair. But all of a sudden, he either he's either close or has his card now for at least next year. Dude, yeah, you finish runner up in an elevated event. I bet he's good. Yeah. Yeah, he won like 1.3 million yeah. or something. And props to him. Like, this is where this is what we, we talked about. And I I beat the dead horse of Shez Reevy last week. I was there's one thing I was right about with Shez Reevy. When you come to a course like TBC River Highlands, Colonial, RBC, you know, Harbor Town, it, it is going to allow these shorter hitters to contend a little more, right? And that's mm-hmm. what Zach and Shez and Brian Harmon, who you were on, he was on your betting card. That's yeah. what those guys did last week now Cantlay was your course horse chalk and and he did what he what he needed to you know he did what he needed to do to pay off Rory was not super chalky but he was he was a good value and you just kind of I mean that was a good play there if you would have had him in the perfect lineup you'd have left six hundred dollars on the table and your ownership would have only been around sixty percent total but most of the winning GPP lineups had like 75 to 80 percent total ownership because there was some really good chalk Cantlay was good chalk even Scheffler ended up <laughs> doing what Scheffler does, kind of being being Scheffler in top five. And um, Denny McCarthy was good chalk. Tom Kim worked out. Even Russell Henley, if you look at DraftKings points scored, Russell Henley kind of worked out too. Uh, Ricky Fowler ended up working out. Corey Connors caught some late steam. He did all right. Minwoo Lee wasn't really chalky, but he was 10 11%. Minwoo did a lot of good stuff for people. Down in the low 7Ks, Eric Cole, again, ended up being pretty solid chalk. The, the only real, to me, like bad chalk was like Morikawa, and he wasn't even super popular, but Tommy and Siwoo, to me, were the two. They, they were the ones that screwed everybody the most. Mark Hubbard. Freaking Morikawa. Morikawa screwed me across the board. I had zero five or six of sixes, and it was because of Morikawa. And I just thought that, I, I wasn't even really even worried about the cut with him. Yeah. I thought for sure he was going to make the cut. Yeah. Great round two, though. Great round two. Well, yeah, wonderful. Um, yeah, Wait, she, you know, 63 <laughs> in round two, but, you know. There were four over in round one. All right, that's bad on that golf course. Um, there, most of the winning lineups had Patrick Cantlay or Rory or Scheffler, a player in the 10K and above, one player in the 9K, and then four players in the 7K. That was kind of the structure. You didn't, I mean, other than obviously Zach Blair and Chez Reeve, 
you didn't have to have a lot of action in the 6K range, but there was a ton of value in that 7K range. And like I said, again, a lot of chalk. The chalk has been hitting a lot lately. And we talked about it last week with the U.S. Open. There's more tools. There's more content. There's, everybody's sharper. And it's just, you know, some of it, you, you, you know, now, now the decision is kind of understanding which of it am I going to eat. You know, and I think you got to pick your spots. Like this week is a weird tournament. It's a birdie fest. It's going to be a 25-under situation, which I know that one got last week got to 23. But, you know, I, I don't know how – this is not a week where I necessarily would love to eat a lot of chalk. And if I do, I'm going to eat it up top with guys I feel confident about, even though it feels a little queasy to think about yeah. it. So let's talk about the top of the ring. Uh, you got Tony Finau. Your defending champion, Kyle Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, Max Homa, and Justin Thomas, all just in the 10K range, no 11K players. Then Tom Kim, Hideki, Sung Jae, Cam Davis, Keegan, and Harris English in the 9K range. Boy. Um, so I think right off the bat, the, the easy fade for me is going to be Finau at 10-9 because the putter is, resembles nothing of even his normal average performance and baseline with the putter, it's been not good. And you could call this a potential putting contest. Obviously, he's, he's going to fit the bill here from a bomber standpoint. All that's going to be good. But you got to make a bunch of putts to shoot 26, 27 under. I, you you got to do that. And I don't know that I trust him for that. I'm not going to pay up for that. Um, this might be a range where I just end up really, really nailing down on a two or three guys and just – being so overweight in ownership if they're chalky that I, I just there's so many question marks to me in like the 8k range and even some kind of the, the high sevens I don't think there's a whole lot of discrepancy between those players and guys in the mid and low sevens I'm probably just going to lock up up here and then sprinkle in a bunch of guys in the 7k I don't know what do you think up top well I agree with you on Finau um I think for me, I, I just want to know, like, could somebody tell me whether or not Morikawa shooting 74 last week was the Morikawa that we, we, we're going to have this week, or is it the one that shoots 63 the next day? Hmm. Interestingly enough, if you look at Morikawa's stats putting, okay, he has gained two weeks in a row. He gained at the U.S. Open, and he gained last week. Yeah. Barely, 0.3, the Travelers. The last time you saw him do this and, and gain in his third event in a row was the Genesis last year, where he finished second. Mm -hmm. So if you think that maybe there's a chance that he gains three weeks in a row, this could be a really good week for him. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. I feel like I'm going to end up falling for the trap of Morikawa again because I'm probably <sighs> going to see a little bit lower ownership from him. Don't you think? Do you think his ownership's going to be down? Like, all right, let's look yeah. at these. I think there's two that you can compare here because I don't think Ricky. I think Ricky Fowler is going to have some chalk. Max Homa's definitely not going to be chalky. But there's two players right here in the 10K: JT and Morikawa. I feel like more people are going to jump back onto JT after last week's performance. Yes. And even though he was so bad at the U.S. Open. And he's $600 cheaper. Yeah. Then they are going to be for Morikawa. So do you get a, a lot less, a less chalky Morikawa with 
you know, the obvious upside he always has. Or yeah. are you an idiot? Or could you be an idiot <laughs> and play Morikawa like I probably will? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think JT will be more popular than Morikawa. I think Homa is easily, likely the least owned guy in here. And I, and I don't know that I want it. Um, I don't know that I would touch it. Morikawa is an enticing potential pivot if he truly gets ignored. At the same time, like, Fowler, I wonder, Fowler's a little, is it crazy to think, like, maybe Fowler actually doesn't get that much, that much love? With that, considering the price jump that you're getting for Ricky? I mean, it is a, it's a pretty big, I mean, like, and I I know, obviously, the weak field and everything, and, you know, he's a rocket mortgage guy, Um, but I just want, like, like, if Fowler's only at, like, and I say only, if Fowler's only at like 20, 22% and Morikawa is at like 15, because I, I think people are still, I mean, Morikawa is Morikawa. People still like the name Colin Morikawa. I would almost rather just like go like 50% Ricky. I feel, I feel, yeah. I, I actually feel like Ricky's the safer play. And I, honestly, that's why I say like up top, the guys I end up getting on and liking, I'm going to pound because there doesn't feel like there's a lot of safety anywhere in this field, but there's damn sure more safety up top. If you're going to yeah, have I, it, I agree with you there. So I would be willing to eat the Ricky chalk. If, if Morikawa is lower owned than expected, then I, I, I could, I could be with you. I might not be your buddy to talk you off the ledge on that one. I could be, I could get down. I, maybe that means like Tom Kim, Hideki, Sung Jay. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Keegan. You know, I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of lineups that start with, those guys and actually just completely ignore the night, the, the 10K range and go, I'm not going to pay up for Ricky. I'm not ready to buy the, get right back on the JT train in case he hurts me. Um, you know, is JT here kind of looking for, continuing to kind of look for more form? I wonder. He's, he's never played here before. Um, yeah, th- does, he, does he take a week like the Travelers and just go, all right, I need to build on that again and kind of get some form before I have a week or two off here? heading into the Scottish if he's going to play that, or the J.P. McManus Pro-Am in Scotland, um, and then the Open. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Or is he playing because they, do they still have that thing where you got to play every tournament? And, and so, whatever. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if they still have that they... with all the elevated event stuff yeah. being mandatory, too. Like, then you, you could get guys. I don't know. I don't know if they still have that rule. You know, I think Cam Davis is interesting. I know he's won here before, and he's, you know, the following year after that, um, I think he was, what, top 15? Yeah, T14 last year. Um, and I, I think he's going to get low ownership because he hasn't been that great recently. And, he, and, you know, he missed three cuts in a row. But before that, he had the T4 at the PGA Championship, did finish T33 at the Travelers in, in, a, in a birdie fest. Yeah, Camp Davis to me feels like somebody that you can get on this week. If I, I'm going to take a lot more risk in my DK lineups too, I think because I, I just it's just one of those type weeks, and I think Cam's one I of them. He's going to have low ownership. I don't want to risk it up here. His putter has been bad. Like, look at the trend on his putter overall for his career. He's basically a dead ass neutral putter. Yeah, last twenty tournaments losing 0.8 strokes last five tournaments losing two and and just if if you scroll and you look at his 2022 season there's a lot of positive putting weeks right there 
a lot of positives. But then if you look at 2023, very little positive. No, it's it hadn't been good, but um, aren't they all bent he, this week? He, yeah, it's like a they say it's a bent Poe mix. Yeah, I don't know how much I the Poe is in it uh, this time of year. You know, this is like a month. Isn't this like two or three weeks or a month earlier than it normally is for? I don't remember why, but it's it's this yeah. events earlier in the year. I don't know what that means for the Poa, but um, bent is his best surface. But it seems yeah. like I've read like in in the nut hut. I, I went back. You you posted it. Looked at uh, Caddy John's notes for mm-hmm. the for the golf club or Detroit. And he he did say that Poa kind of creeps in a little bit, but um, I don't know. I think you're going to get really low ownership though on Cam. Yeah, I think you will. I, I don't I don't know how many people are going to play Harris English either. Yeah, I liked him on the betting card, so I guess I can't not like him in DFS. It definitely does. It does not feel great. I don't feel. See, that's what I'm saying. Like. At, at these prices, I just really, I really want the the more sure things, as sure as you could be in golf in this field. And that feels like, I mean, honestly, Hideki feels like the surest thing to make the cut. Does it, doesn't it not? I mean, doesn't it, right? So, but here's the thing, like, if you're thinking about it, like, I want the sure thing. I mean, most of the field is not a sure thing. So, like, where do you? So, it, so then up here is what you're saying, strategy wise. You just want to like try to get two guys that make you feel good, and then four that are going to make you want to throw up. Like, I mean, like yeah. rather than all six. Like, if I had, I'm maybe, not going to. What feel, if you want to throw up six times, TV? <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, I'm not. I, how much better? Okay, like, like how much better am I going to feel? About 9K Harris English with three consecutive garbage iron weeks and no real record to speak of here for any, so, I mean, not, not much redeeming about him other than he's not, he's not a bomber, other than the putter in the putting contest, right? H- how much better do I feel about Harris English at 9K, okay, versus Patrick Rogers? At seventy six hundred, or Aaron Rye at seventy eight hundred. How much better do I do? I really feel about what he's going to do, and I'm but I'm paying nine thousand for it against eight against seventy eight hundred dollars Aaron Rye or seventy six hundred dollars Patrick Rogers. Whereas if I just pay up to ninety six and I get Hideki in the lineup, I at least feel like there there are a a number of tiers between Hideki and Aaron Rye and Patrick Rogers. Right or oh yeah, or yeah, Austin sure. Eckrode at eight thousand is yeah. going to be stupid popular. So I don't know. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I would. I, I'm probably going to have two. I'm probably going to have two of Tom, Decky, Sung Jay, Keegan, and may, maybe Fowler. Th- those are the names I'm looking at. And obviously, I'll, I'll look at ownership and see what happens. But like Fowler's interesting. We talked about Keegan a lot on the betting show. I, I actually think Keegan is very enticing. I, I would hope that people bounce off as people tend to do with with guys who win the week before. But Keegan's no rookie, no second year play. Like he's a multiple winner on the PGA Tour. He's won this season on the PGA Tour. It's not like he's. It's not Wyndham Clark winning his first major and going ham and having to do all the shit that comes with that and like realizing that his whole life's changed. This is not a life changing win for Keegan Bradley. I would imagine he keeps it going. It's we're in the Northeast, and 
Tony Finau won this event last year, and the week before, he won the 3M Open. So it can happen. It'd be crazy, but it can happen. But I don't need him to win at 9,200. But the safety that I feel like he gives me and the upside is very good relative to the price. And at least when I put him in my lineup, I go, okay. Like, I feel like that one and whichever other one I do from 9K and above is going to give me two. I, I'm going to get two guys through, right? Now i got to figure out these other four rascals. Yeah. Which is going to be tough. hard. <laughs> very hard. Really hard. Okay, uh, 8K range. Let's, uh, let's get into the 8K range. I want to remind everybody to go check out DraftKings Rainmakers, people. Because, you know, make it rain with DraftKings Rainmakers and get you a free booster pack. When you spend five bucks and you get it started, get you some cards, open up some packs, do some stuff. Check out the secondary market. That's a lot of fun. Uh, just click the link in the description of the podcast. Use code TJ when you do. Click the link. Check it out. Um, DraftKings Rainmakers doing doing the damn thing. It's a lot of fun. Season's coming to an end, so make your hay. Make it. DK Rainmaker. All right. AK range. I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan. Like there's there's some names in here I like, but again, how much better are these names than a bunch of guys in the seven K? I I can see my lineup construction being two nines and four sevens. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I was just kind of looking at it, trying to th- like quickly do in my mind the the numbers here on how would it look if I do you know a couple nine Ks and then drop down into seven Ks. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's probably what I'm going to do. I mean, I think if I'm looking at a couple that I do I, I like in here, um, yeah, I think Ben on at eighty two hundred is yep. is he's one I like is is pretty good. Yeah, I like Austin Ekro at eight K. I, I think. You know, if you look at all the numbers for him, I mean, if 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 you're running models, he's really going to check the box in almost everything. Um, so I think I'm going to eat chalk on Ekro, and, and it is like, the chalk is coming, baby. Because oh, it's coming. I he, know. And he I was I'm, he was ninety. We talked about this on the betting show. He was ninety to one this morning on the first look betting show at ten a.m. And he's down to sixty to one, or as low as thirty three to one on FanDuel as of this recording at four p.m. In yeah. six hours, he has steamed from ninety to one to that, which means he's going to be popular in DFS. I, I think, yeah, I agree. But I and agree, I, he is tempting chalk to eat at eight K. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to. I mean, just look at the way he's been playing outside of the stats. You know, he's got three top twenty fives in the last three events or last four events with a T thirty at the Memorial. So the, the guy's just been on a great roll. He he's the win is coming eventually. Um, it's a good course fit for him. So I think Ekro at 8,000, I'll certainly eat the chalk. But him and Ben On are really my favorites. And outside of that, like, are you getting excited about Hadwin at 8,100? No. Not, I, not really. And Sepp, I tried. You know, Sepp is, is, like, he's been really good. I mean, you yeah. look at the last four events, he missed the cut at the U.S. Open. But he's got, you know, T16 at the Memorial, T7 at the PGA. I mean, the thing about Sepp is I feel good about playing him on a course like, you know, at Memorial yeah. or, you know, at um, the PGA or, you know, something like Like, he plays really well in these harder golf courses. If we get into a birdie fest this week, I, I don't – I'm not sure I see, like, Sepp – like, I feel like the price is actually deserving for Sepp. I don't, I don't think 8300 yeah. Sepp is a stupid price for him. But I, I don't agree. think the course is that. Is, is that good of a fit for him? I would agree. I, I think you're dead on there. 
I mean, Chris Kirk is right there too. He's like your course horse. He's got a really great record here. I, you know what I wonder about Chris Kirk? Do you think he he won? I don't know. I'm probably reading too much into it. I, I just I just feel like a Kirk win back at the Honda that um that you hit with the butterfly on your face. Yeah, that was the butterfly hit. I just feel like he's kind of let it let let his foot off the gas a little bit since then. You just said yeah, seen. we we haven't really been excited about him. But for a guy like that, that's what I'm saying. Like for a guy like that who hadn't won in years and had you know struggled to keep his card and had the whole addiction stuff, like that was a life changing win for him. That's where I see it a little bit different than for a guy like Keegan. But, uh, but then I mean, also he has he hasn't made a cut since the PGA Championship either. He's yeah. three straight cuts. So I think 8,500 is actually less justified for him yeah. than 83 for Seth. I think you're going to get here on, on Wednesday and have a lot of leverage because Ludwig, everybody's pumped on Ludwig. And listen, we talked about him a lot on the betting show too. We, we kind, of, kind of had different takes on Ludwig coming in in terms of an outright winner. Obviously, a freakishly talented, talented dude, and this course is probably one of the best courses set up for him that he will have played in his very young PGA Tour career. Like, he would be chalked that I would consider at eighty seven hundred, but I ain't gonna consider it if it gets out of hand. Like, what do we actually think? Is like twenty percent Aberg would be like, whoa, I don't know if I can yeah. do that. Um, Seventeen, eighteen percent Aberg feels a little is starting to get to that uncomfortable zone. You know, I, I just think he's, he's caught a lot of steam as well. Um, if Ekro gets, if Ekro gets that kind of love, you know, that, that one's, those are, those are going to be tough decisions. Like I think Ekro and Aberg are going to be two very popular names in the 8k range. Maybe some folks hop back on Alex Smalley. He's been hitting it well again. We talked about him on the betting show. I, Smalley's interesting, but you're going to have some definite pivot options here. You know, Jaeger at 8,900 feels like you're overpaying like crazy for a guy, but he finished fifth here last year. He's been s- slowing down a little bit of late. You're going to have pivot options with Jaeger. Armin, who's coming off a good finish. Kirk's going to be low owned. Hoagie's going to be nothing. I think you're right. Straka's going to kind of get overlooked, and, and Hadwin's going to be low. And, and I think Benon probably low too. I think it's all going to go to Ekrot, Smalley, Ludwig. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see what to do there. I mean, in cash, I think Ekrot, if you're playing 50-50s or double-ups, I think Ekrot's a lock along with the Decky up top. We didn't mention that, but yeah. I think starting cash lineups with Decky and Ekrot. And then maybe, you know, maybe Lud- I mean, Ludwig and Cash probably too. I mean, I feel like the guy's going to make the cut. You know, just like, you know, just what do we, we just haven't seen a lot yet, even though we know he's talented. How does, how does Ludwig get up to 8,700, yet we can't get Mark Hubbard above 70? 70- 200 or whatever who finishes top 25 every single week except last week when except for last week except for last week uh well i mean you know the 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 draft 7500 this week DraftKings knows who the dfs community can't wait to play i mean yeah um this is this is going to be an there you know I don't know I don't love this range so I I think you could avoid it altogether like I said I mean having a couple nines and four sevens is an option having a couple nines an Ekrot and some three sevens or a six maybe a high six is an option if you're constructing lineups I do think Ekrot is probably one of the safer options in the range and a good value so chalk worth potentially eating 
um, for next, uh, you know, for Thursday. All right, 7K range. A lot of people here. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I mentioned Patrick Rogers earlier only because Rogers feels very safe. Rogers is uh, Rogers is like the tour's condom. Like he's just the <laughs> safest mf'er he out does. there right now. Like he can't. He doesn't. I don't love him in a birdie fest. That's what this is. But dang it, uh -huh. if he's not gonna just do enough because he's got the distance and he's got the putter, he's gonna do just enough to make the cut and do his thing, which is exactly what he's done here in his 40. I mean, he's just the definition of a condom player. He's a, he's a Jimmy. He's One a of these Jimmy. days, somebody's going to let him take it off. <laughs> let him raw dog it, huh? I mean, I will say 10th at the 10th in Mexico. Love that. I mean, I think Mexico's, you know, it's a bomber's paradise. It's a, it's a birdie fest. You get in there, but God, I mean, he, this guy's just, but in this range, in this field, like, I, I, need a, I need a made cut down here. You know, I need, I need a bunch of them. I need three or four of them. Well, he's going to make a cut, probably. More and than I, likely. And I don't feel like there's too many names in here that are going to be really chalky. Like, every, all the popular names in here are all just, they, they still all have enough warts that I think it kind of spreads out the chalk, you know? I think there's going to be yeah. a lot of that. I mean, I think there's a few that you could look at. I mean, you know, obviously tour winner Taylor Moore mm -hmm. is interesting up there. Um, Sixth place here last year. Yeah, I, but I think. Did he let his foot off the gas after he won? I know because he hasn't. You're right. He has. I was just about to say. You know, ever since that win, he hasn't been um, like jobs locked up. You know, I'm good. very good at all. I mean. He, Makes a cut the PGA and misses three straight cuts. Yeah. I still think, though, in a field like this, you, you could see Taylor playing well. Um, I mean, Justin Suh, we've seen play incredibly well almost all season long. Potter's hot. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to get off of Justin Suh at 7,900. I like Aaron Rye. You mentioned to him on the betting show. I like Rye. I was too afraid. I was too scared to mention him on the betting show. But, I mean, come on. Top 25s like in, in three of his last four events. T24 last week, T3 at the Canadian, misses the cut at the Memorial, and then um, T12 at the Schwab before that. I like Rye a lot. I also think Rye is one of those, like, I don't know, I haven't looked at any first-round leader bets or anything like that, but, it, like, he always feels like, a, like yeah. an early out-the-box guy. Like, he's, like, when he, like, if you look at horse racing, there's always this, that horse that, like, jumps out i forget what they call it like the front runner i guess maybe mm -hmm. i don't know like jumps out of the box for the first like 200 yards and then they fall into the back like you think he got a great one in the kentucky derby and boom he finishes last like oh oh and iron covers is out to a hot start out the <laughs> gate <laughs> yeah the iron covers boom t50 yeah but still i think uh aaron rye somebody up here i like dude yep i like rye um so rogers i mentioned i i i kind of I'm wondering if Bramlett will be overlooked because of his poor record here, but I definitely feel like Bramlett's game has kind of leveled up. Um, he's had a good season. He's had a solid season. And so at, at a course that does seem to suit him, and I would, I would suspect, I haven't dug deeply, but maybe I will, I would suspect that the form coming in this season is far better than it has been in the last three years here. He hits it a, a ton. I just feel like Bramlett could be interesting. I mean, 16th at Memorial, 
That's an elevated event. 19th at the Byron Nelson Birdie Fest. 10th in Mexico Bomber Birdie Fest. Um, 13th at Torrey Pines Bombers. You know, I, I just I think Houston uh, ninth place finish. That's a Bombers Paradise. I, I just think Bramlett could be an, an interesting pivot that I think has honestly I think he has top ten upside here in this field. I think he's got top ten upside and he hits the shit out of it. And then Gordon Sargent right there at 7,500 to me is like, and we debated this on the betting show. We know very little, I mean, like, the amount of information and sample size we have on Aberg is slightly more than we have on Gordon Sargent, yeah. just barely. And we all love Ludwig Aberg, but Gordon Sargent still is a highly touted amateur, hits it just as far, played at a great program, 7500 bucks. Yeah, I, you know. He's going to be a. He's still an amateur, or they just haven't changed this. Oh, I don't. You know, I don't know if he is or not. Um, let's see. Uh, Fantasy check. National has them as what well, doesn't have the A, but I don't think they. But I, I, I swear I saw the A. Oh, I saw it on on the. Um, he is still yes on Data Golf. Apparently, he is still an amateur. He is still the no, he is no, the number one amateur. Okay, I guess maybe since Aberg bowed out was Aberg one. Probably. Yeah, he was probably one. But, um, you know, a couple more down here, like near the bottom that I like. Um, you know, I'm back on Lee Hodges this week. He's at 7,200. I, I think he's a good play. You know, like you just look like he, he kind of just checks a lot of boxes for me when you look at the stats for him. Um, you know, you look at the ball striking off the tee. Lee Hodges, 7,200, I like. I, I like, um, man. I really want to play Luke List. <laughs> Boy. We talked about him, too. I mean, you just look at his, his last few events. He's played well. I know the putting's always the deal, but he's actually... Didn't you say he gained some strokes putting last week? He gained 1.3 strokes putting, but he did it in one round. He did it, yeah. he did it in one round. But you're right. I mean, 16th at Memorial, 34th at the Byron in a birdie fest. I, and, and you know it's seventy one hundred. It's not like you need him to top ten. No, I, I like not. it more for for DFS than I did for your top twenty or whatever you were talking about on the betting show. Yeah, um, I, do, I do like it there. And then Carson Young at seven thousand. Yeah, he's going to be popular. He is going to be popular, but I'll I'll eat it. He's another one down at the bottom here that I'm going to eat some chocolate. Akshay is going to get it. Um, I like Camp Champ at seven k. Yeah, you talked about him on the betting show, and you kind of talked me into it because I, I, yeah, he's he's become one of those guys. Like I, I'll say this: when Cam Champ tends to pop up on people's radar, which is not all that much lately, no. But when he does, it seems to work out. Yeah, it really. The only time I can think of where I, I thought it was a little bit crazy was maybe at the Masters. I, I thought I saw. I thought. Well, yeah, but I he always him. plays the Masters so freaking good. I was just not, about to say that the the not Mas- last year though, but he was catching steam. No, I mean, you this, mean year. this year. Yeah, yeah, not this year. I but know he was catching some steam, but whenever he's got that that steam coming behind him, it 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 tends to work out. It does. I mean, he's got. Some good play here. Um, 
And, and yeah, he can come out of nowhere on a course that allows him to open up the throttle off the tee, and this one certainly does. Uh, I think he's a very – I mean, for GPPs, like, there's probably no one – I mean, how high up in the pricing would you have to go? Let's do that. How high up in the pricing would you have to go to get a player that if they were in contention on the weekend, you would trust to finish it, Not maybe not outright, but – Finish it for a top five, like high upside top five G- GPP winning, you know, five or six percent, because he's going to get some love, five or six, seven percent possibly owned 7K player. Go up in the pricing and tell me the first player you come to that you would trust to, to get to that top five on the weekend over Camp Champ. Over Camp Champ, I would probably say, I think you got to get into the 8K range. And I'll work my way down there. I'd say Brian Harmon, I would take over him. God, no. What? Brian Harmon? Hell He just finished second. I know, but yeah. I I would take... I would take... uh, I don't know. I mean, you're talking top fives here. Yeah. I mean, if these play, like, all being equal, probably a Tom Hoagie. I would take over him right I mean, now. Like, right now. Well, what is what is Cam Champ showing? I guess right yeah, now? yeah. I guess you're right. I, I said you're, all yeah. things being yeah, equal. you're right. Like, right, right, right. Ben Ben on probably not. <sighs> Adam ha- Ekro maybe. I feel like Ekro. I was gonna say Ekro feels like he might have that dog in him a little bit, and he's ready Sub to run. Probably would actually. But I mean, for you're, top five, you're not basically excluding the seven K range, and he's at min price. You yeah. know, that's what we're, that's what we're saying. So I think Champ is an interesting pivot. I mean, you know, Bhatia is going to get some love, which makes sense. D. Wu is finally in the 7K range. Welcome to the 7K range, D. Wu. He's been subjected to the 6K range. Uh, the Wu boys are going to get some love. Your boy Carson Young is going to get some love, which, I, I mean, I like it. I, I, I definitely like this range. I think Luke List would be a pivot. I like Harry Hall right there at 7,100, who I think is also a pivot. Hits it a long way and puts the crap out of it. You just need the irons to do something and be decent for Harry Hall. So I, I like I like Harry Hall down there as an option as well. Um, anybody else? Uh, I, I'm gonna go. I got to figure out what I'm gonna do with Hubbard. He made me so mad. I do think I'm gonna I go think back. You can go back to Hubbard. Are you? I think, yeah. Um, Shink and Stevens both interest me at 7,300. I I think Doug Gim. If if Mayo talks up Doug Gim and and Doug Gim is playing well, but if Mayo mentions Gim, which I can't imagine him not because Mayo loves Doug Gim and he's playing well, so that that might surge his ownership and some pivots. I think with some good upside would be Shink and Stevens. Poor Pendrith finished runner up here last year, and I don't want anything to do with him right now. He is uh, off. He's yeah. All right, uh, that's the seven K range. Let's get to the six K range draft, and we will button this bad bitch up. This is going to be an ugly draft. Uh, this is going to be ugly. I'll let you start, Pat, since you're on vacation again. You, <laughs> you can start. All right. Well, I'm going to start near the top here at 6,900. I'm going back in, DB, on Andrew Novak. I like him. I think, um, you know, you just think about, uh, you know, some of his finishes lately. He's, he's had some good ones. So, you know, with that top 10 there at the Canadian... Novak, and I think he's got a few top 10s this year, or two top 15s, or a few top 15s. So Novak at 6,900. 
We had a very interesting discussion on Novak that I think is a lesson to be learned uh, in in general when it comes to handicapping golf. So if you haven't if you haven't go watch the betting show towards the end, and we have a good discussion on Novak. All right, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Vincent Norman coming off of three missed cuts. I understand, obviously playing in the U.S. Open, big deal for that guy. Um, I, I just think now we get to a place where he can open it up, similar to Camp Champ. He hits it so far, and we've seen some nice spike weeks from him an eighth place at the byron 18th in mexico 16th in corrales 21st in puerto rico you could find similarities in all four of those events to this place so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go norman all right i like that um i tell you what db i think you're gonna find this one interesting but but he has flashed some form lately finished t20 here last year i know who it is column on my list column taren 6,900, oh, you know, you, you look at his last few events, T33 last week, T43 at the Canadian, and then uh, had a top 30 at the PGA Championship. I like Taron here at 6,900. Rekindle, Callum Taron. Golly. Yeah, used to, he was your love. He was my guy last year, huh? Yeah. Um, hmm, a couple different directions here. I'm thinking of going. Um. Let me let me let me let me just you know this is a tough call here. Now now we're getting into the real real yeah. scrub territory, and we get we need a, we need a good six K draft. We haven't had one in a minute. Uh, Augusto Nunez. Uh, I actually thought about. Did him. you? I like that. Yeah. Bomber. Not a ton of upside high finishes, but solid finishes. You know, does well on the tracks where you hit it a long way. Tory. Puerto Rico, Corrales, um, I think Valero, you can kind of open it up. Byron Nelson. Yeah, Augusto, he's pretty cheap. 64 hunch. I like it. All right, so for my last one, DB, and we have not talked about this guy at all in a while, I feel like, and he was a darling for us. You talk about Taryn, this is a local guy. Grayson Sig is at 6,700. And, you know, we've had... You know, he's been a guy that we we've liked and he's he was he'd fallen off a little bit, but if you look at the stats, they they look good. I mean, he's top twenty-five yeah. in par five scoring, you know, checks the box and ball striking off the tee approach. And he has he's he's had some pretty good form lately too, with the top twenty last week, you know, um T thirty eight at the Canadian Open. So I like Sig here at sixty seven hundred. I like it. Uh all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it because uh you know, we kind of have had a little, well, a little, a little, a little ageist ageism standoff in the betting show. Um, yes, we did. I'm going Jimmy Walker. Give me, okay. give me J Dub bomber putter. I mean, the dudes had some great finishes. 14th at Wells Fargo, where you got to bomb it. 15th at Mexico, where you got to bomb it. 13th at Torrey, where you got to bomb it. Jimmy Walker, let's get it. All right, right. 6K draft is Andrew Novak, Vincent Norman, Callum Tarrant, Augusto Nunez, Jimmy Walker, and Grayson Sig, the Augusta boy. Love it. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the week. Me and Pat will be in the chat on Wednesday night in the Discord. He'll be, uh, he'll be back from his vacation, right? Your, your second vacation in two weeks? Yeah, I should, I should be back. Okay, good. Back. Good. So we'll do that. Uh, Sleepers video will be out on Tuesday. All the all the other regular goodies, the heavy petting email, the chalk bomb email, all that good stuff is all going live this week. And meet us up in the Discord. Link is in the description. It's only nineteen bucks, nineteen ninety nine a month. Okay, that's easy. That's like 
It's like five bucks a week. Yeah, I promise you, you will get five bucks a week worth of entertainment out of this thing. And probably win some bets if you tail the right people, not named me right now. Okay? But it's got to end at some point. It's got to. It has to. It's got to end at some point. Why not now? All right. May your screens be green. See ya!